What is up, good people of the internet? We've got here another episode of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storman, in Brooklyn, New York, and joining me via the miracle of modern technology is my good buddy, Will Freeland. Will, how's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, we're recording a little late because because uh, travel and vacations happened, but you know, it's weird to think that pe- we have lives outside of our podcast, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, things, things are good. Uh, a lot of comic reading has gone down in the last week and a half. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited to, uh, record this one and also record the next one. And I'm just excited about comics, man. Yeah. You were, uh, you were reading basically your whole vacation, right? So you've got, you've got <laughs> yeah, pretty much every night. Uh, so my wife goes to bed, uh, anywhere between nine and 10 30, but I go to bed around like one or two mm-hmm. so it gives me three or four hours that i usually use <laughs> to watch anime or play video games or read comics sure. i didn't have those other two so it was only right. comics every night good thing you had a man. quite a stockpile to catch up on i'm yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah i had a lot yeah so like will mentioned uh we're recording a little late this week because we've both been on vacations i was uh I went to West Virginia and it was beautiful. I had a great time there, but we're going to make it up to you. We're going to record another uh, episode, you know, right on, on Sunday on our usual time. So it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll get back to our usual schedule right away, which is good because we have, we have a lot to get through. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've decided to devote this episode exclusively to Dawn of X uh, so Dawn of X is the first set of titles post House of X slash Powers of Ten. That's the new status quo in the X-Men titles that Jonathan Hickman has picked up. So they were they were released in trade paperback in two different ways. You could get, read them all title by title as usual, or you can read them all each, you know, issue one, for example, together in one compl- uh, collected volume that they called uh, Dawn of X volume one and so on. So we're reading the first four issues of each of the, um, the Dawn of X titles. That's what we're talking about this week. And, uh, so the Dawn of X titles that they started with that they started to be specific. With, yeah. So, and it, it keeps going and, and sprawls off and, it, and there's a, it, I, I'm so excited to talk about this. I know we, <laughs> we've, we've been teasing this, to our listeners for three weeks or so we're finally here i can't wait we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer though because i wanted to start this episode with a listener question will do you have anything else to say about uh don of x about your your hype or or anything else um, before we uh I don't know if it's been explicitly said on our cast but my favorite character is spider-man mm. and so when I taught like uh, last week I, or a couple weeks ago, I talked about how much I love the spider books because right. uh, they're just so much fun and I get super involved in them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don of X is trying <laughs> really hard to be my new favorite like wow. type of comic, wow. not the spider books. It's uh, spider books are great. I read a couple spider books on my vacation, but Don of X started out we'll we'll get into it but it started out 
kind of in the middle ground for me. Uh, but with every single issue I read, it's just getting more and more intense. I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. I am. Yeah, that's, that's high praise. Wow. So moving in along here, our listener question comes from our good friend, Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin. yeah, Kevin, uh, Kevin asks what non-superhero comics still hold a place in your hearts? Uh, thank you, Kevin, for the question. It's, uh, maybe a little pointed because Kevin and I went to, uh, we were both at the, um, comics, what is it, the, <clears throat> the Brooklyn Comics Arts, uh, that's not the exact name of it, but like a, an inde- independent comics festival in Brooklyn. Gosh, it would have been well over a year ago now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin's a huge fan of indie comics. He loves, uh, you know, indie comics that honestly, Will, I'm not even sure you know exist. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not even in the, 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 you know, image dark horse Oni kind of slice of things. It's into like publishers, like drawn in quarterly and fantagraphics. And um, I mean, they're, they're big, <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it's an entire world of comics that doesn't get love and doesn't get uh, a whole lot of recognition from people yeah, I feel like superhero fans, even when we're talking about, even when we're talking about non-superhero comics, we're talking about indie comics, you know, we, we look at the comics that look like superhero comics still. They, they come out in the sort of same shape, floppy cover, monthly release schedule, uh, a lot of the same creators kind of bounce back and forth. But, uh, you know, there's a whole... <laughs> There's a whole other world out there, mostly single creator, you know, single cartoonist creators. And they, um, it's, it's just a very different world. And to go to Kevin's question, what non-superhero comics still hold a place in your heart? I honestly don't, generally don't read that many superhero comics. Like if you look at my bookshelf, (laughs) you know, it's maybe like, five ten percent superhero comics and the rest is in these varying stripes as a as a uh as a comics creator as somebody who's generally a fan of the medium and you know, as a writer I, i'm always looking for different ways to express different things in comics the technical craft of comics and see what this storytelling mode can do and you know, you're just not going to find a very big variety of it or a very representative sample if you're only reading the same publishers, the same creators, the same genres. And so I, I really try and mix it around. And yeah, uh, particular favorites for me, Transmetropolitan, uh, Sex Criminals I've talked about uh, before on this show. Um, Will, Will uh, yep. what about yep. you? What's uh, what are some some indie oh. comics that have hold or non superhero comics that have hold, right. held a place in your heart? Um, so that's tough, clearly, <laughs> because I live and breathe not just Marvel but like six one six Marvel. <laughs> right. Um, however, you get into this conversation of semantics of what is a superhero comic because I I think of something like planetary. Yeah. Um, it's 
I would definitely it's, call Planetary a superhero comic. It's right, but it's, but it's, it's yeah. not. It's not like Justice League, Avengers, right level thing. But it's powered individuals. It, so it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not within a, a shared universe continuity situation. It's a standalone. Right. So trying to approach it from mostly. a not comic i don't know it's it's tough but anyway so the some of the ones that come to mind um are things that i read while i was younger and i still look back on fondly Mm. um which clearly is what kevin's asking about but the like out of left field example is like foxtrot yeah oh yeah sunday newspaper comic strip absolutely that's Um, that's uh, uh totally under underrepresented under talked about side of of cartooning and comics like calvin hobbs for me yeah calvin hobbs foxtrot uh dilbert so those so specifically foxtrot that is the first collection of comics i've ever bought i remember you you with those obsessed yes you were (laughs) um and I bought those. I bought every single one of those that I could find, and I had so much fun. Um, another one that I fell in love with when I was younger, and I had to look it up while you were talking. Mm-hmm. It's called Powerpuff Girls Do- Dojinshi, mm-hmm. and it's this fan comic huh. that uh, that uh, this guy Vincent Go and G O, commonly known as Bleed Man, um, okay. he wrote it, and it's basically. Powerpuff Girls uh, manga anime style going to elementary school. So like okay. after they've grown up a little bit because they're in oh, preschool cool. in, in the show. Right. Um, but it's also got Dexter's Lab in it. It has like it has all of the old cartoon cartoons right. all in the same universe hanging out. Okay. Um, Billy and Mandy are classmates. Okay. Um, Megas XLR is in there. Uh, Invader Zim is in there. Like uh-huh. all of these Okay. characters and they and they interact and it's so much fun and dexter is this like tech like he's he has his like the the kickball backpack that he has from the one <laughs> episode that he had he it's, and he's like all about mechs and and all this other. it was it's so much fun and i loved reading it when i could find it um i think i, I think i was reading it just uh, at the end of high school so like early 2000s Samurai Jack was in it, Curse Cowardly Dog, like all the people. It was cool. so much fun. That's awesome. And uh, the art was amazing. Um, the, it was it was so much fun to read. And and while Powerpuff Girls are super powered, they're not. I don't know. It's it's kind of in, in between, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely don't have um, the breadth of reference <laughs> uh, that that you have because you're much more broad in your comic ingestion well it's it's really your your answer is really interesting to me i want to pull a couple things out uh, first of all thank you for remembering uh comic comic strip cartoons you know whether mm. it's on the web or in newspapers uh, so many of those were huge influences on me um ozzy and millie by dc simpson white ninja comics uh perry bible fellowship nothing nice to say of course penny arcade um oh yeah penny arcade and uh probably one of my favorite uh, most incredible ones of all a softer world by joey camo and emily horn just it, it's it's uh, every strip is a photo or a photo collage like 
um, usually one photo or three photo, uh, one photo with three sort of points of focus or three photos next to each other and sort of a triptych and sort of typewriter-esque uh, little blocks of text on it. Uh, it's just like very minimal, you know, just a three panel strip and just some of the most heart crunching, beautiful juxtapositions of of text and and images that you'll see anywhere um uh. absolutely incredible you know uh influential and another one for me is um fun home by Alison Bechtel uh if you've heard of the Bechtel test uh-huh. she's she's the originator of that okay. um and she also just creates these super intricate dense um graphic novels um my favorite of hers is fun home and and it's just an exploration of family and trauma and history and and memory and gender and sexuality and all the things just kind of like boiled up and and served incredibly raw but also at this uncomfortable distance it it just fantastic anyway but the the question for me tends to be more of less what non-superhero comics do I read than which superhero comics do I read? I read a lot mm-hmm. of those too. Right. It, yeah. I, I think superhero comics, one, they're an underrated place to find good craft in comics. They just make so damn many of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just, they there's a competitive commercial landscape for them, which suppresses a lot of creativity, but also forces a lot of just rapid cycling through ideas and eventually some amount of innovation. And you, you get to see things like David Aha and Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which I think is one of the most technically brilliant comics I've ever read, just in terms of craft and how, panels and storytelling is all put together and use of time and space just mind-blowing unbelievable and so there's there's this room within superhero comics I feel like superhero comics so I read superhero comics uh for three reasons one is will to talk to you about them Mm. you know like Uh that's especially since like since we got both got back into, into superhero comics as, as adults, you know, we were talking in, in one of our first episodes about how we got into them as kids. Well, how I got into it as an adult in a large part was because you were reading them and there's, there's a sort of soap opera element to comics, right? Where you've got this stable of characters who have these long running stories and you're they're interesting and you can jump in and you understand who the character is roughly and and um you know with a little bit of work get up to speed on on what's going on with them currently and and you know having gotten involved in these stories as a kid it's a it's not a a tough sell to show (laughs) me civil war and say hey this is really good and i've got the frame of reference to to jump in and and follow and, and find the soap opera compelling and, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one big reason. The other, <laughs> to be totally candid, is depression. Uh, mm. You know, when I am in a, a rough spot 
um, say like, you know, I just moved across the country and now there's a pandemic limiting what I can do in my new home, uh, finding, you know, making friends, finding things to do and so on. It's, uh, it, it, it can be a comforting thing to just crack open an endless stack of superhero comics. And I've got something that passes the time and kind of gives me this feeling like I'm getting through something, you know, that there's mm. some people, you know, play MMOs and they click, 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 and they see the bars fill up and they ding and they get that serotonin hit. And, and, you know, I get kind of some of that from, from comics as well. Is it serotonin dopamine? I don't know what all the great chemicals are. Anyway. I think it's serotonin, but your point stands. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the third one is this off chance that every once in a while, within all the boundaries and strictures of corporate art and corporate IP and all of the the sort of conservative, risk-averse boundaries that are involved with that, every once in a while, you find a piece of just good art good storytelling something that that uses the investment that you've made in the soap opera over all of these years as a shorthand to not have to introduce characters to not have to introduce settings um, to skip to good and interesting stories that that you can you can only tell within a certain setting because it uses the soap opera as framework. And, you know, while I get a certain amount of enjoyment out of following the soap opera for the sake of the soap opera, what really gets me going in a superhero comic is the potential for the, that setting, that structure to be utilized in the service of unique and special storytelling. And that is exactly what I have hopes for in Don of X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I really think you're going to get a lot of that. <laughs> I think so too, man. I <laughs> hopes, but, but, you know, from what I've read so far, I, well, we'll get to it much later, but maybe my favorite single issue of superhero comics I've ever read ever up there with Hawkeye one. And if you want to say single issue of, of any, you know, monthly release comic, you know, up there with like Transmetropolitan 25 and like Watchmen five, like unbelievable. We'll get there. Will Don of X, man. (laughs) I know. Okay. So hopefully we have appeased Kevin with our answers. Yeah. Um, the other one, the other thing I thought I forgot about is um, Grim Tales from Down Below. It's okay. the same style comic, um, uh, anime style, manga style from the same artist, uh, and it follows uh, Billy and Mandy with Grim Reaper, and then um, his brother is Jack Skellington. And so they have, so they go to Halloween Town oh. from Nightmare Before Christmas. Like it's just it's such a fun read, and it's um, oh, that's the other thing that I was trying to pull out from from mm, your answer. Sorry, yeah, was no. that you? Uh, that one of your examples is kind of 
the soap opera, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. It, it's picking up on these characters that you have built an affection for through other media, through other places, uh, and finding a way to sort of continue on uh, a story for them in a way that wouldn't be available otherwise. It's it's creating the soap opera that you get from comics, but or mm-hmm. from superhero comics, but in a, in a different setting. I I found that an interesting part of your answer. Yeah, it's uh so, and we've we've talked. We're never going to get to Don of X, but so, uh, <laughs> we've we've talked before about um, how I have this like innate weakness towards uh, storylines that take established characters and throwing them together into one yeah uh story like league of extraordinary gentlemen like it's a terrible movie and it's a terrible <laughs> it's a ridiculous idea but i had so much fun watching it well um, the the comic is supposedly quite good supposedly i mean it's I alan moore so i yeah i i have a it gets a, a long long leash from me but yeah <laughs> like alex like just you take you take you know Indiana Jones and the um, ca- the captain uh, from Thirty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and all this other right. stuff, or you take um, the story of like Van Helsing, and then you have him going up against Frankenstein's monster and the werewolf and right. Dracula, and it's just and like all of these this sort of pop culture potpourri, yeah, that ex- that were introduced individually, yeah, and then somebody goes and smokes something amazing and is like what if they all cross paths mm-hmm. <laughs> and that oh, i just love those stories that's why mm. the power of girls dojinji and the uh grim tales from down below uh just they really got me as a kid that was, was so much fun to see cool. um and so to tie it a little bit Donna <laughs> Max has so much of that because so much of it revolves around this new mutant nation on Krakoa. Yeah. And all mutants are considered Krakoans and um, they basically just demand their place in the world instead of asked. And that, and that was such a huge difference yes. from like nation X, um, Genosha. Uh, well, they're, 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 they're treating it like an actual nation and an actual society instead yeah. of just a place where a bunch of people live. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. The, they're they're talking about governance. They're talking about conscious building of culture and society. They're talking about, uh, you know, you see in House of X, Powers of Ten, like talking about criminal justice. Like, what do we do with Sabretooth here? Or yeah, they're talking yeah. about, you know, um, foreign policy, economics, all of these uh, intelligence, uh, as we'll see, all of these things are actual considerations in uh, within Krakoa in a way that just doesn't there hasn't been room for before there hasn't been uh the ambition for Uh and it's so weird because their approach here uh so we've got x-men marauders excalibur new mutants x-force and fallen angels all of them launched from Krakoa yes so like they all have this you know common base uh like base in base as far as storytelling not bases and like you know that's that's our base (laughs) right like power not like the bat cave or something no yeah exactly it it, they 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 start from the same like starting plate and then they've all branched off from there right um and that 
uh, I think that is what has been interesting me and pulling me in so much, even when I come across uh, some plot line or some story that like, I don't really like as much or Mm. that I'm just kind of like, ah, it's kind of weird. I don't know why they're doing that. But the fact that I know how intertwined all of this is Mm -hmm. like, I still want to read it. (laughs) Right. So, so this is, first of all, real quick, if you haven't listened to our podcast uh, where we talked about house of X and powers of 10 yet, go give it a listen and then come right back to this because we, (laughs) the, not a whole lot of that is, I I don't, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time rehashing, you know, what is any of that stuff. Like I want to talk about these books in front of us. Yes. Can we highlight how, how, how uh, we just did not realize the significance of hellfire when we were talking about it back then. And like it was yeah. brought up, it was explained in House of X, but we didn't really see its significance. Until it had been a while since I read House of X. Yeah, yeah I read House of X a year and a half ago. Yeah, same. <laughs> so so uh, we messed that up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hellfire Trading Company. That's why they have a quarter representation of the quiet council yeah they're they're, they are their international relations (laughs) right so okay so maybe this is a good time to to set uh just i want to go through each of the the six titles real quick and just kind of give a a brief synopsis of where the story yeah kind of what what the the narrative focus of it is and if if it has a regular cast who is in that cast so Uh, X-Men is, you know, the flagship title, and that is being written by Jonathan Hickman. And it's everywhere. It's single stories, a real, like, drops in a bucket, right, Uh, of just kind of a little bit day in the life, but also a lot of scaffolding for future stories. Um, Yeah. uh, And it involves basically the entire mutant population of Krakoa. Uh, but so far, a lot of the stories have have focused around uh, Cyclops and his family. Yeah. So, yeah, the first issue was very summers oriented, mainly seeing uh, Cyclops hanging out with Vulcan for whatever reason and Corsair and uh, <laughs> Rachel and Young Cable uh, because Young Cable uh, has dispatched Old Cable old cable is not our thing anymore yeah um but it is very much uh the four the four issues of x-men that we've read is very much like hey while those other five things are going on these are the wheels that are currently turning uh from krakoa's like point of view yeah krakoa the nation not krakoa the mutant monster <laughs> that is the, the nation. entity right <laughs> the, the island person <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Just, oh, oh my gosh. Um, and it was weird for me reading that issue, the first issue, that was primarily summers focused. Um, it was weird to me because two main reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I don't remember seeing Cyclops get healed right before War of the Realms which happened about half a year before House of X, Powers of Ten. Hmm. Hope 
shot Cyclops and it, it, it hit him in the eye. And so his right eye is gone and there's just like a hole in his head. Oh, wow. And he was advised to not use his optic blasts because they may fracture his skull Yikes. <laughs> um, because of his eyes. So, um, but he's been, he's been, uh, he has since died because he died in house of X. Right. So fine. But like, even in house of X, he was fully healed, but whatever. That's just nitpicky. That's me. Sure. That's me having read everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing, so my, uh, when I read stories, I usually have like, what's the big picture takeaway? What does this mean for characters involved mm-hmm. um, for going forward? Sure. Um, the main like impression I got from that first issue is like Cyclops is like really laid back. Yeah. Like I don't, he was like, it's weird. I mean, it's great. I know he's always wanted to have kids. And so having Rachel and young cable living in the same house with him on the moon, dream come true. He, um, uh, he has a chance to be close with Corsair, his dad. Yeah. Um, Dream come true. Awesome. But having Vulcan there, also Vulcan being the his, third his brother his third uh Summers brother uh Gabriel Summers who is the reason why there was the war of the kings and the realm of kings and the cancer verse that we talked about before like he was very much an evil person <laughs> yeah like it, it well, was it's, that it was kind odd of, that kind of goes to something else that I'm kind of constantly wondering in 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 the in Don of X and I don't want <clears throat> I want to get back to introducing all of these different titles yeah, first. I think we have the same concerns. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah. It's 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 very much it's very much, hey, stuff is happening. This is also what's going on on Krakoa. Um whether we're following uh Magneto and Apocalypse to go have a conversation somewhere or Xavier doing something else, or it's, it's the summer's clan hanging out and just having dinner together and just being quiet. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, short it's, stories that yeah. reveal something important. I get the feeling about Hickman. Um, and you mentioned this a lot and how little dialogue there is, but how much it all tells. I, I get the sense that he probably writes about 10 a hundred times more material than he uses and he just whittles yeah. it away so that only the most essential is left. Yeah, that's true. And I have to imagine that these scenes that we're seeing here, all of them are important, obviously, not just in terms of plot, but also in terms of, you know, establishing character, establishing motivation. All of, all of these are important and necessary and they're all so meticulously chosen. Um, yeah. And and the fact that he's doing that from such a gigantic canvas of characters is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, where well, it's is just, this coming and how big is this getting? It's one of those things where you're looking at what he's building and it's just like, how is this going to fall apart, though? Right. Like, it makes me so nervous to see I so mean, much harmony. <laughs> well, because this is a, a theme in Hickman's work, 
going back, everything of his that I've read, with the exception maybe of the nightly news, uh, but Fantastic Four, Manhattan Projects, East of West, his Avengers, New Avengers run, and also Black Monday Murders. There's a theme throughout his work, which is great men doing terrible things. Mm -hmm. Great men, in part, you know, like the the great man of history, like powerful or influential or uh, noble people who, for whatever reason, end up doing um, just truly terrifying things for for whatever reason sometimes sometimes noble and and justified and sometimes not yeah um and our our smartest our smartest heroes having to destroy an entire planet an entire alternate earth just to save both universes exactly multiple times yep yeah no that's that's a great observation i was gonna say observance but (laughs) observation um and i watch terrible things and i watch charles xavier in this and i just it just gives me chills wondering where this is going and and what they're going to do um it's just it's so strange wolverine lives in the same house um vulcan havoc are are they they have rooms next to each other yeah gene lives in the house anyway it's it's odd there's 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 a a setup and intention and i think a lot of it is just trying to give you this lived in sense it's it's like when i i went and read the first 50 issues of fantastic four because i wanted to see how marvel like the current age of marvel started right Mm. and there's a bunch of stuff like take a tour of the Baxter building and, you know, they'll have like a cutaway model and it'll be like, this is Johnny's room. This is you right. know the yeah, lab. Yeah, yeah. This is where the hangar is, you know, and all this stuff. Like it, it kind of reminded me of that, like a very, uh, very, very old school technique. Of, I used to love seeing that too. Right. And yeah. just give you like a really, um, yeah, a really sort of behind the scenes to, to make it feel more like a, like a place anyway you want to move along uh, to yeah. keep giving the um the the sort of broad summary what what's the next issue next uh, issue in, in donovex is marauders okay you want to try uh, give a, a quick summary of marauders so marauders the marauders have a ship called the marauder <laughs> and they are a branch they're basically a branch of the hellfire trading company mm-hmm. The way that Krakoa is interacting with the rest of the world as a country to country is Krakoa has all these teleport gates any mutant can walk through. And they're saying that all mutants across the world are allowed on Krakoa. And uh, hey, nations, if you're willing to let us have a gate or eight or 12 (laughs) in your country, um, we will establish trade with you. And because Krakoa is able to produce like all the life-saving medicines ever. Wonder um, drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder drugs. And so the Marauders are here to help transport those medicines to the countries that are friendly and help smuggle the mutants who are oppressed in the countries that are not friendly. Um, right. And so, so that's kind it, of their mission. They're like uh, jolly pirates ship at sea. 
uh, kind of yeah. setup. Uh, Captain is uh, Shadow Cat, aka Kitty, who now goes by Kate. Kate Pride. Yeah, um, she's grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has. And um, uh, one like man thing is we'll get there. Okay. Um, and and the Hellfire Club, sorry, the Hellfire Trading Company is it acts really as Krakoa's a lot of in a very similar way to like the like the British East India Trading Company. Like they are a, a real arm of the state. They are, you know, kind of a stand-in for the entire, you know, fiscal uh, foreign policy for the entire nation and uh, in a large part how Krakoa interacts with other countries. Sorry, you can go ahead now. What's your what's your man? Nightcrawler isn't a member. He would be perfect. It's true. Because swashbuckling. He's the swashbuckler yeah. man. And like they they gave they gave Kate. I'm it's gonna be a long time before I <laughs> naturally call her Kate. Sure. She's been Kitty forever. Forever. But, um they gave Kate a sword. Right. And she's basically leaning into this being a pirate. But like that was that's li- that's part of Nightcrawler's identity and has been for like 20 plus years. But yeah, it's it's fine. It's not he he might honestly thing. be a little too jolly for <laughs> for, for, for their this, mission. For their tone, you know? I mean yeah. Yeah. Kate, Kate Pride is is guzzling whiskey by the fifth and uh... I know. <laughs> this is this is like a morally fallen for lack of a better term Kate. It's different. She's, She's been there several times. I mean, this is again the the sort of limbo of superhero comics. Like once, kind of while she was she was abducted by um, by ninjas uh, and kind of trained, and then she, you know, kind of got back to her sparkling clean goody two shoes for a while, and then Warren Ellis started writing her, and she started dating Pete Wisdom and making terrible decisions on purpose and that was fun for a little while and then they you know took took Ellis off the book and it was you know in retrospect now that we know what we know about Warren Ellis having you know teenage Kitty Pride date a much older surly cantankerous British man probably should have been a warning sign, sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah but so, uh, and then there was another sort of period of Dark Kitty right before the the Grant Morrison run. She had a real dark attitude and she had uh, three of Wolverine's bone claws, kind of similar to Age of Apocalypse set up. Uh, or maybe it was just one of them. Anyway, it's it's been done before, but as with all these sort of characters in the soap opera, they they tend to rubber band back to their true north concept eventually yeah but so the in comics the last major thing that happened to kitty is she got left at the altar by peter oh yeah i could see there's an argument alcohol after that yeah there's there's an argument there um getting some knuckle tats making some bad decisions it it i don't presume to know characters inside and out sure but 
falling this far, quote unquote, seems beneath the kitty that we've that she's grown into mm. over the last years. Mm-hmm. But she's filling a role that is needed to to be had right now. Yeah, I'm interested and to see where it's going, and it, it's it's also kind of coinciding with her taking a different step in responsibility. Now she's obviously had lots of different responsibilities. She's led teams. She's been the headmistress of, of the school. Mm-hmm. Right. But now she is basically, well, I guess this is a little, this isn't the first issue discussion, but she's, she's being groomed and being asked to take a, another step up in responsibility for all of Krakoa. Right. Yeah. Um, she's also brutal. Yeah. Um, she pulls no punches. And yeah. like she has such a uniquely terrible power that yeah. like I've only ever seen her use it maybe twice before in the way that she does now. For if anyone doesn't know, her ability is to phase through objects and she can take objects or people with her. As long as she's making physical contact, she can phase other things and other people mm-hmm. in this is an issue for but as as an example of how mean she is now <laughs> um she swung a pillow at an assassin phased it through them and then just let go of the pillow halfway through their body how yeah god what 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 when you're doing like an autopsy of that <laughs> right how does that even look <laughs> like it's, it's is it just like oh my god it's just like yeah i mean it's just, it's two objects now taking up the same space like you'd think there'd be some sort of physics-based explosion <laughs> but whatever like whatever they're molded together now it is what it is but the assassin is in excruciating pain right and she just walks away right <laughs> like whoa yeah the only other time I've seen that happen is in World War Hulk. And she phased Hulk into the ground. Oh, shit. And his hands were in the concrete and she let go. Oh. And so all the concrete just phased, just fused into his hands. And he was, he was in a lot of pain. But it's also, world, it's also World Breaker Hulk. And so he did his clap and just shot a bunch of broken, bloody <laughs> concrete at the it was a whole thing but um and i i just assume i've seen it one other time other than x-men 3 (laughs) but um uh the the movie that we don't talk about but yeah it's just she's 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 brutal she's mean yeah um and it's a it's a a brutal tone for the book in general pyro is you know original pyro Original pyro there, 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 there have been two pyros. Okay. There was there was a hero pyro that they introduced a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. this is original Brotherhood pyro. Yeah, and with his, the accent. he's his tone is is very different than how he was written in the in the eighties and nineties. But you know that's fine. The guy's been dead for for uh, a while. <laughs> for, for, yeah, <laughs> several decades. So you know, let let him let him change, let him grow. Yeah. Um, the other big main plot point that I'm sure we're going to come across at some point is, as I was saying, all the Krakoan gates allow mutants through. Yes. Kate Pride is a mutant and she can't go through the gates. For whatever reason, we don't know yet. Yeah. We have no idea why. And 
it, it's worth saying, sorry, strange. real quick, because we're talking about just the first four dolly volumes of Don of X, we don't have any of the payoffs for any of this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, generally uh, trade-focused comics are written in six-issue arcs. And so we have all of the setup here and none of the payoff yet. That's true. That's true. Which is kind of good for an introductory pod, right? Because we get yeah. to kind of do kind of dig deep on on this setup mm-hmm. uh all right so that's marauders. Uh, anything else on, yeah that's marauders what um, what comes next in in don of x in don of x you've got excalibur okay so it's gonna be a long pod <laughs> good God. um i was saying so, I, I wasn't i wasn't kidding when i said we might need to do a, a giant size don of x and just yeah break we could just up. call it that because that's yeah. very x-men right um so excalibur 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 is kind of an exploration of the, the, the magic side of, of mutantdom. And it, it centers around Betsy Braddock, who has been traditionally codenamed Psylocke, but she recently got her original body back. And yeah. her twin brother, Captain Britain, has had a long association with uh, an alternate magic dimension called the Otherworld which is sort of a, a land where Arthurian fable still exists. So Merlin, you know, Morgan Le Fay, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. King Arthur Pendragon is the yep. king. Exactly. And, and Morgan Le Fay and, and Merlin are just, are like the sorcerers of the time. Yeah. Um, and so Betsy's brother, Brian, traditionally Captain Britain, gets divested or gets sort of corrupted in the other world. And she takes the mantle. She takes the title. And so Excalibur is kind of about a few things, a few undercurrents going on at once. It's about one, it's, it's about Betsy's search for purpose and what she's supposed to do, trying to find her way with the conflicting loyalties to Krakoa and to Britain and by extension to the other world and to her brother. It's also about apocalypse, or as he likes to be known, dot, 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 A, dot, 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 which everybody seems to know how to pronounce. No, no one. Not everybody. Oh, man, the first time he says it, I think it's to, I think it's to. I've been meaning to post that panel in the Facebook group. Uh, he says it to uh, Trinary, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Hey, Apocalypse," and he's like, "Hi, Trinary. I prefer you called me dot 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 a dot 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 dot." And she just says, "Sure, I can pronounce that." It's <laughs> 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 like, "Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah." Part of this new shift is Apocalypse wanting to be called something else, right? So anyway, he he is. Uh, you know, he's this ancient evil or this ancient being of power, the first mutant. He's sort of exploring magic within the mutant um, milieu. And and so that's a, a second undercurrent of what's going on. It, it's mainly those two things. There's also a, a cast of characters to round it out. Gambit, Rogue, Jubilee, Jubilee's infant son, Shogo. Fun fact about Captain Britain. 
his or their suit is powered by courage. Yeah. So the more courageous you are, the stronger and more powerful you are. Canonically, it is said that we still have not seen the limits of how far a Captain, <laughs> how powerful a, Cap- a Captain Britain can become. Right. Because we have not seen the limits of what someone who exhibits courage can do. Mm. Uh, so that's just a fun little thing. So as as Betsy takes on the mantle of Captain Britain, um, as you're saying, you know, it's uh, bringing up conversations of her loyalty between Krakoa and Britain, but it also mirrors uh, what Sam Wilson went through as Captain America in that Sam Falcon uh, had to deal with people not wanting a black Captain America. Oh, good call. Uh, Betsy is coming across situations and conversations of the 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 British not wanting a mutant uh, Captain Britain, right? Because they think that as a mutant, she's going to choose Krakoa over Britain. To, right. To further exemplify your uh, what you said. Yeah. So so that's Excalibur, and what comes after that? After Excalibur, I mean, yeah, Excalibur is. Excalibur is a little weird. But Sorry. More, Anything more, more you want to say on Excalibur before we move um, on? There's, there's the latest version of Clan Akaba. Right. Um, so tell me about, because I, what, there's, there's a, I know sort of a, an Akaba cult. Akaba is the name of the, the sort of village where Apocalypse was born and sort of the seed of his history and power. Um, yeah. I don't know a whole lot uh, more recent than that. So I feel like this is, different and new okay clan, clan yeah. akaba traditionally has always just been the clan that worships apocalypse yeah. <laughs> um but this clan is much more magic based and um there's this battle between clan akaba and like the druids in britain druids are more like like earth-based magic users right for lack of a better term and and so there's this conversation, which I think Tara, if she's listening, um, <laughs> would like of druids who learn earth magic versus mutants who can control earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know where? How does that overlap? Does it overlap? Do the effects of a mutant power versus a spell do they produce the same outcome? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and I think they're going to explore that. To your point of exploring magic and mutantdom, yeah. uh, I think that's really going to um, become a key factor. But um, Rogue in the first issue gets hit with a spell. I guess I'm not 100 percent sure what she, happened. She touches Krakoa. She, yeah, she touched. She tries well, she to touched absorb the gate. So no, she touched the Krakoan oh. gate that is connected to Otherworld. Right, because some. For some reason, a gate opened up in Otherworld, and that Krakoan gate right. is in the scrying well that Morgan Le Fay uses, and she doesn't like it. Right. <laughs> and that's that's where setting up the conflict is. of the whole yeah. series. Yeah. That's where all that's coming up. And so they're like, Rogue, why don't you try touching the gate to like see if you can understand what's going on? And right. then the second she touched it, she got wrapped in all these flowers, and uh, she's basically in a coma. And yeah. she's in this bed of twigs and flowers and no one knows what's going on. So I feel bad because Rogue just before this 
reached a new level of control with her powers. Always happens. I know. See, Do you remember her in X in uh, X Men Legacy? Yeah, same. And that was amazing. And yeah, yeah, they they cleared her, they purged her, they defragged her. It was amazing. <laughs> but then, so the latest upgrade, and this was in her. Uh, I think it's just called Rogue and Gambit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was Mister Mister and Mrs X. Yeah, Mister and Mrs X. Thank you. Um, Didn't even she, read it. She could control her power turning on and off she mm-hmm. has to be calm if she ever gets emotional like uh scared or angry or whatever or overly happy she loses control of her ability to oh interesting to not touch or whatever okay um, but then she also was able to do it within a radius of her oh okay and that was new yeah hmm. um and so that was a whole thing and that literally just happened issues before house of x and okay hmm. so having her well one she had to touch the gate but whatever um, sure. but putting her in this like magical flower coma one i wonder if her powers are going to be somewhat magic based which is kind of interesting but two i don't she just got there <laughs> yeah i don't want to undo it all of a sudden i feel so and without at least telling some good stories in the meantime with the yeah new, yeah they they got one tp of her having her new abilities yeah that's a bummer and that was it i don't know so we'll see what happens yeah um anywho issue four of dawn of x is new mutants yes um new mutants team one i'll say <laughs> yeah new mutants is is really it's really two different books because it's not only follows different uh, characters, it's also a completely different creative team. I um, also, uh, I'm so up in the air on how I feel about New Mutants. Let's let's get to that in a second. So, yes. New Mutants as a concept, it is uh, mostly members of the original New Mutants team. So, Sunspot, Mirage, Karma, Wolfsbane, Cipher, Magic. And then also Chamber and Mondo from Generation X, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're they enjoying life on Krakoa, and they're like, man, it's a real bummer that Sam, a.k.a. Cannonball, isn't here. So they go on wacky space, space hijinks to, to yeah. go and get Cannonball, who is living a, a nice domestic life out in Shi'ar space, with uh with his what his wife and kid yeah and his wife is a member of the shiar imperial uh, guard imperial guard she is the current smasher super smasher so that's that's the the sort of setup for at least the first two issues of new mutants the next two mutants like i said this title is really two books in one the the next two issues are they follow armor uh as she goes to visit uh, Beak and Angel Salvatore in their domestic life uh, in the middle of Nebraska and tries to resolve a hostage situation that develops around the Krakoan drugs yeah. and equitable access to them. Glob, Maxime, and Manon oh, yes. are with them as well. And then uh, Boom Boom <laughs> in in kind of a... Uh, uh, a foil or anti-hero role. 
Yeah, Boom Boom shows up at the end of issue four, the second issue of the second team. <laughs> yeah. Well, she um, was in the setup too before the yeah. trip. She just didn't go on the trip with them because it wasn't it wasn't going to be entertaining. Yeah. It wasn't going to be <laughs> not a, enough for her anyway. A good time. Yeah. 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 So, so team one new mutants. It's um it's space hijinks. Yep. Just um, a romp. Just a romp through space. Really. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. One of uh the only thing as far as I'll say, um, uh, as far as character representations, none of them seem to have the same like personality that they used to. <laughs> um, they seem they seem a little reset. Mm. Um, mainly thinking about like Sunspot, um, he had a good arc in like U.S. Avengers and uh, New Avengers, where he where he bought. He's he's rich, so yeah. he bought AIM and repurposed AIM into um, being good. And so instead of advanced right. idea mechanics, it was Avengers idea mechanics. Right. Um, but he's and, still kind of. I mean, he was still kind of like a, a uh, for lack of a better term, a shithead during that. Yes. And he's a rich shithead in this too. But he also developed. He had. Um, a small case of mpox oh um, okay and it only flared up when he used his powers huh okay um and he eventually did a workaround with it but like it seemed like they he was going places i really liked having him at the top mm-hmm. of aim in this new sort of like supreme scientist yeah scientist supreme sort of situation um well, so everybody I, I rubbles rubber bands back but yeah exactly um i nothing i've read in the last 20 years have had mondo because he's been dead the whole time <laughs> yeah um and so i don't know how he is showing up or how, how as far as like his representation magic seems a little weird but she's all over the place all the time right um and you don't have a whole lot of conversations with anyone else um Cypher Douglock seems more socialized than he usually is. Mm, mm-hmm. Rain seems way less religious than she usually is. <laughs> but we've only had them for two issues. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm I'm a little I'm up in the air about it. As as far as the six titles are concerned, it's it's lower on the totem pole for me. See, I I am really enjoying New Mutants because it's not trying to do a whole lot. Some, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not telling a something huge. Yeah, I, or, or so fine. we think. Or so right. we think. It, yeah. Honestly, I, I think that it's important. This is the only series besides X Men that Hickman's writing himself. He has this sort of secondary title in the credits of of all the X Men books as head of X. Head of He's, X. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it's really giving the impression that you know he is sort of. It has built the you know the creative scaffolding here. He's he's doing sort of editorial double duty uh, yeah. and and kind of masterminding a lot of the the larger creative direction of what's going on here. But he um, he's writing this one himself, and there are two ways to look at that. Right? There's either oh, this is clearly important if he is doing this right. himself. Yeah. And the other is, 
obviously he just loves writing Bobby and Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He put them in Avengers when they had no business being there, you know? And, and he just, he clearly loves these characters and, you know, he got an opportunity. He, he would never turn down an opportunity to write the two of them. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, will, I, I will say I like Team 2 more, the story of Team 2, the hostage stuff, um, more than uh, Team 1 so far. I love the story of Team 2 also. I just love Beak and Angel Salvatore. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really, for as much as the X-Men sort of dream or you know utopian vision is about living in peace and harmony you almost never see any of them trying to live normal lives Mm -hmm. and when they do it's constantly disrupted by horror (laughs) basically and they are at least trying you know they're just trying to have a nice domestic life out in the country care for their parents care for their kids and I want, I want that. I want more of that. I, you know, maybe it doesn't fill a monthly title enough to sell, but I at least want to know that those characters are out there and able to, that there is the possibility that if they're not able to do that, then there's no success for the X-Men, right? Like you have to be able to, to create a society and a structure where you're not constantly at war where you yeah. can have just normal, unremarkable lives and and not constantly fearing for your safety. And so I kind of see that sort of thing as a benchmark for how well they're doing in general. Yeah, that's a good point. I totally agree. But, I, I, but so in agreeance to that entire statement, yeah. That's a lot of why I like team two better than exactly. like team one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then uh, the, the next title in there is Fallen yeah. Angels. No, it's not. Oh, it's not? It's X-Force no. next? Yeah. Okay. My bad. Oh, man. X-Force? What, what is X-Force? X-Force is kind of like, they're self-described as like the Black Ops of, yeah, traditionally they've been described as like this this covert strike team, this sort of off the books, uh, down and dirty, willing to do the the dark things that the X Men can't be seen doing. Yeah, it, yeah. In Brewbreakers, Captain America, it's basically what Bucky was. Yeah, uh, he established Bucky was the infiltrator. Bucky was the the shadow sneak. The the grot wire on the 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 neck of a guard type while captain america was out being the face of yeah the american troops so cap is to x-men what bucky is to x-force it's so intense i well this is this is different from even that because well this is yeah this is a, a more holistic view of, of a spy operation and an intelligence operation that goes beyond just the, the risky missions and the, uh, and the, the covert ops and into the intelligence gathering as well. And I, that's been something that has always just baffled me. You've got literally a million freaking telepaths 
not one of them you want to put you, you want to be part of your intelligence operation <laughs> you've got somebody whose brain is literally a computer and you've got somebody with you know multiple uh, like a nobel laureate level multiple uh, multidisciplinary genius you don't want any of these folks to be part of your um <laughs> your your black arts of statescraft yeah right but part of being the sort of ambition of Krakoa existing as a modern nation state means having an X factor. That is this more holistic view of, of spycraft and of statecraft. Yes. Yes. So another way of looking at it is, you know, America has the CIA and uh, Great Britain has MI6. Right. And Krakoa has the X force. Right. Exactly. And it's just, I don't know if X-Men or X-Force is going to be my favorite title. Mm. X-Force just, it it gets, for lack of a better word, real. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, it's, the, what they do to poor Domino is just, it's mind-bending. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have to say that parts of this get a little too grimdark for me. And, Mm -hmm. and kind of like, like something like that doesn't really hit me the same way. It's like, oh man, this is like crazy, but it's also just like really not that I'm squeamish for it, but it's like this, this is just kind of like, I don't know. I want to be careful that you're like not wallowing in misery or like showing me things to be extreme, but like that there's, there's a real storytelling aspect Mm -hmm. to, to this. Does well, that make sense? That, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I think it's going to really depend on where they go with this like Black Ops team that yeah. keeps on trying to ruin all the things that Krakoa is building. Right. Yeah. Um, this, this, the, what are they called? The, um, the Xeno? Yeah. Yeah. Xeno something. Yeah. <laughs> and- um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're basically. Um, as far as antagonist is concerned for um, letting people know, we have these bioengineered humans who are given implants or skin grafts or like hidden tools within their body mm-hmm. uh, to help them meet mutants on, on an even playing field kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, like these there's this mercenary team that is growing in number that uh they're only getting more powerful as they figure out more and more things right uh, like they've got for lack of a better word they've got like these knives like embedded in their arms that they can shoot out from their from their uh their, from their every wrists. single part of them has been sort of biologically engineered you know like their teeth are weapons their plastic explosives yeah their teeth are explosives and their their arms have extra bones that are knives and every single like they their earlobes have garrote wire like yeah they've basically been yeah genetically engineered from from head to toe to be weapons in every single way and they're coming after krakoa yeah and And we don't and have, then they shoot Xavier in and the then face. Then it ended with killing Xavier. And I was, I don't know how to feel about it because in House of X, 
we already established that death is not the end for the mutants. Well, yeah, but they destroy the Cerebro as well. Right. Yeah, it, I, I feel like that happened mostly like right away just to, and one to have a cliffhanger, like what's going to happen, you know, to really sort of knock it into place Two, that event kind of sells and we'll get to this later, but the structure of reading these things issue by issue as sort of a, a collected volume of Don volume one, Don volume two, et cetera, because the, the, the minute to minute becomes very important <laughs> with yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but um, also we'll get to it more later, but j- just to get some of the more obvious questions out of the way, as far as the power and the redundancy of power in their resurrection scheme and let you behind the scenes and see where the weak points actually are and where you might think they are, but they actually aren't. And it turns out that one of them is professor Xavier's own bodily death, not a weak point destruction of a cerebro unit, not a weak point. Right. But like, within this issue it's to make that the uh final like cliffhanger i don't know how i'm supposed to feel if it if it happened as a precursor to house of x yeah I'd get it yeah but i don't know it, it was it was interesting but to but also though the argument against it is xavier and cerebro were the ones that implanted the memories to date of the rebirth mutant so if you mm-hmm. remove the right if you remove the information supplier you're right kind of screwed so exactly there is that there is yeah that. so one more thing that i want to say about x-force and this really applies to a lot of the titles holy god is it gorgeous <laughs> like yeah. the color art i just looked up the color uh color art is done by dean white on this title it's it's not like anything I've ever seen. Just the the different tones and and sort of uh, colors that are that are used to build images and, and panels in and compositions in in this uh, this title is is really remarkable. It, it, maybe I've been stuck in the the nineteen ninety seven ghetto for too long, but I <laughs> yeah I just... they've done they've done other stuff. I'm pretty sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I I've never read anything that. Uh, with their with their colors and it's com- completely gorgeous uh likewise the other one that really stood out to me was um the team one or the the a a story in uh new mutants rod rice his uh, digital painting there it just absolutely mm. blowing me away i'm loving it anywho uh x-force i think is gonna be insane i really think um x-men and x-force are going to be like I feel like the yeah sort of the, Hickman, sort of the back what Hickman was preparing you for and type stuff totally and X Force I think tonally is the closest fit to X Men of all of the books you know um, Marauders is a little more like uh, rollicking and uh, New Mutants is is sort of fun and festive and and uh, you know Fallen Angels is sort of a very personal story which we'll get to in a second uh, and excalibur to me kind of reads a lot more like a more traditional superhero comic storyline but tonally this is the one that feels like the closest match to x-men yeah agreed so the last one 
It's Fallen Angels. Yeah. I... Okay, well... Fallen, so Fallen Angels is the story of Quanin, who was a, an assassin for for basically the Japanese mafia and got, you know, some, some deadly injuries and basically got body swapped with Elizabeth Braddock, a.k.a. Psylocke, who we talked about earlier. And then to not make things too confusing, they killed off the Quanin character. But, you know, things happen in comics and now she's back um, many decades later. And she uh, she's back in her original body and she's trying to sort of find her way around the world. And she has a vision of her child in trouble with uh, or, you know, in danger with a um, an an entity called uh, it was Ap- Apoth 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 or Apoth yeah yeah and um, so she basically assembles the other two most uh, bitter and nihilistic <laughs> and revenge driven hate filled people on the <laughs> island of Krakoa and gets them together to go. Uh, figure out what Apoth is and uh, stop whatever's going on. And it turns out that Apoth is a something at the center of, of a, a drug ring of cybernetic drugs. It's like a sort of cybernetic enhancement implant thing that, that kind of controls your mind and, and changes your, all your shits. Yeah. It's um, it's a overclock overclock. That's what it's called. Right. Um, And it's basically, this cybernetic thing you can put on your temple that just completely overstimulates your brain and it uh, creates like this high, but there's no chemical, like actual drug injection. And so you don't really, you don't overdose, but you can get so addicted that you just use it and just go off into your own world forever. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. This is another title that I I really love the the sort of visual identity of the page page by page composition and yeah. the, the way that it sort of uses a, a full page view of just making beautiful images and uh, mm-hmm. and sort of also the way that it, it uses panel by panel cuts to to uh, for its storytelling mode um, really well done uh, yeah really love the the look of it yeah the art is it's really dark yeah um just like um visually as as like yeah. color yeah uh, a lot of black a lot of shade yeah um and uh he is obsessed with the eye <laughs> yeah um, maybe a little too a much lot yeah. of of eyes <laughs> it just sells on just the eye like when um laura and uh, Psylocke are talking they'll just have eyes on, yeah. on the page and you know who's talking because you know whose eyes is who but it, it's just it's odd <laughs> yeah um, for sure it's just it's different it's not mm-hmm. bad right uh, it's, it's, it's not that, something you've ever seen before th- and and I think that's really what I'm what I'm responding to especially after the sameness of of all of these 97 comics is just something that is in composition just looks very, very different 
from other comics from page to page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is another just very straightforward story. It's right. Very isolated. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really just a, a character study about hate and revenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the problem. So what takes me away from it is I don't know Quanon. Like she's, she's mm-hmm. for, for my Marvel comic frame of reference, she's, uh, She's very new, but like she, she also has, I know, I know she has a lot of history. Not um, really. Honestly, well, she, she well. was the, in the nineties, you know, they, after they body swapped her and Psylocke, they reintroduced Quanin as revenge in Psylocke's oh, yeah. original body. And then she got, she very quickly got the legacy virus and died. So she <laughs> just like, she was not, in it and she wasn't a character before the body swap either so really Uh, like she maybe had like five ten total appearances oh yeah yeah you're really not missing out on anything that's crazy okay because like she's given so much like after they split yeah she's shown as this like conceptually i get it but like i have so much to, time to make up for and like i've been wronged and this that, and the other thing but like the amount of weight and emotion that she has i f- it made me feel like i didn't get to see it happen and so i'm i'm the one who's it's like it's screwing it's, up <laughs> it's telling not showing yeah and and that's sort of a fault of the it would be the fault of any any uh storytelling but if you have a, a character, you know, development to fall back on a, a history and continuity, then you can be like, okay, you don't need, you don't need to show me this because I've already read it. Whereas right. yeah, in this case, it literally never happened. Okay. Okay. And, well, and I think okay. a lot of this, it might, it might just be sort of the negative space of Psylocke in her transformation and kind of like, cause there was a sort of psychic imprint or a change of, her personality at the body swap, they, they did kind of like meld a little bit and touch minds and rub off on each other. And the influence on Psylocke was that she, you know, became um, much more cold hearted and, and kind of carefree. She started like flirting with Cyclops, even though she knew he was taken and like really trying to like screw with him and Jean's relationship. And then revanche or Quanin, she stopped being an assassin and was like i'm gonna be a good person now or whatever Mm -hmm. so there was like this kind of you know they were both changed by the incident uh and so i feel like whatever character development there would be is sort of looking at the staring at the negative space of psylocke between you know before and after and saying whatever changed that's who this character is okay Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a real deep cut. It's a real weird choice to 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 center one of your one of your six books in your grand reboot yeah. on essentially. I mean, who someone who you get to treat as a new character but isn't. You know, like you don't right. you don't fully get to develop and introduce a new character from scratch and and make all your own decisions, but 
you do have to do the legwork of developing a tone and a personality and a, you know, all of this other stuff. Reason because, to care. <laughs> yeah. Cause nobody, nobody knows who this person is. Yeah. Okay. Well, so at least, at least my unease is not misplaced. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. that's so that's Donovex volume one. Well, so those are <laughs> those are those are the titles. But yeah. I want to get into I, I want to ask you because this is a different experience for you. You read Donovex as a single volume. You read it straight through, right? Yes. And I heard you say that that you were into it. What what did you like about it? What was different? Yeah, so so as as for a frame of reference, I like to read each individual title, each TP that comes out, I read it, read, 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 read. Right. Whereas so here, you'll get you'll get generally like four to seven single, you know, floppy issues, monthly release issues combined all together. You read it in a chunk. You wait six line. months, you move, mm-hmm. yeah, you get a full storyline all together, and then and then you wait for the next one to come out. Yeah. And then you get Donna Vex, which is volume one is issue one of six different titles. Right. Volume two is issue two of six different titles. Why do I, so I was curious, you know, am I going to want to read this in Donna Vex form or am I going to want to read this in individual title form? Just in case I bought both. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I have X-Men volume one. I have, you know, Marauders volume one, but, um, I started with this. Uh, I started with Donna Vex as kind of a, a test, and I find myself preferring it because of um, I think because of Hickman, like because mm. he is the head of X, and he's making sure that everything because is it is a coherent story aware of itself. Yeah. yeah, it's still it's six different titles, but they are so related and watched over by one person mm. that it feels like. It's it, it it feels like season three of Game of Thrones. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> we're watching all these different things happen, but they're happening at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the one of the perfect examples is even just the order that they that they put these in. So at the end of X Force, Xavier dies, and then we go straight from X Force to Fallen Angels, and the what is this, the sixth page, we have Psylocke Quanon talking to uh, Magneto and asking if she can leave the island. And he's like, why did you come to me when you know I'm grieving over Xavier? Right. And uh, why would you ask this of me? Because when, so when Xavier was assassinated, they locked down the island. And he's like, why would I give you secret, you know, like right. special passage when I'm grieving? And it's like, oh, well, you know that happened. Okay. Right. <laughs> so like clearly... Fallen Angels issue one happens just after X-Force issue one. Right. I'm not going to see that if I go and read each individual title. Totally. Yeah. Because spoiler alert, by the time we come across um, (laughs) X-Force issue like three, Xavier's back. So we know then on top of that, Fallen Angels issue one happens before X-Force issue three. So yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, another perfect example is I think uh, let's see I think it's X Men um, issue two with Araco. Um, right. Yeah. Araco is just this other sentient island that decides it wants to go and um, hang out with with Krakoa, which I didn't realize 
uh, until they were both written in the same speech bubble that Arako is just an anagram of yeah. Krakoa. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they met up with each other and they fell in love. And but there's <laughs> this there's this giant volcano and uh, summoner thing going on on Arako. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We real, still need real to see how creepy. it pays off. Real creepy Hickman aesthetics with the the black all tears white. and the yeah. eyes and the all mm-hmm. white and the yeah mm-hmm. he um, loves that shit yeah and so uh, the two islands now have joined they've like intertwined and birthed new <laughs> uh, flowers and at the very end of issue two we have that kid that we don't understand uh goes and meets up with apocalypse and he's and he's like hi um and apocalypse is like i knew you were here uh who's (laughs) which one of my horsemen is your is your parent he's like war is my parent and you're like um excuse me yeah (laughs) and then he's like okay see you later and he's like well dude but then so (laughs) so now krakoa is twice as big it has a volcano yeah. And in another issue, I think it's like um, issue two of Marauders, you see them approaching the island and it's a larger island and it has a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who cares about the little details is going to be like, where the hell did that come from? Right. But you see it happen You're at like, the beginning ah. of Dawn of X volume two. And by the time you get to uh, the issue where it's shown on page, you already know why that happened. Yeah. So like, that's just going to keep on happening. <laughs> um, and so I feel compelled to stick with reading the Dawn of X volumes and not the individual titles. Also, yeah. because as we were talking about, uh, Dawn of X volume like 14 only has three different titles in it. Yeah. It's got two issues of Cable. It has one issue of X-Men and it has two issues of Empire. Yeah, they they just start they just start going for whatever at some point they just start well so but in my mind that's what's happening at that time right of the of when the volume 14 is cut yeah volume 15 whatever happens in that is going to happen chronologically after what happened in 14 Mm -hmm. so i don't have to juggle that around someone else has established it for me yeah yeah, i'm good to go Um, it also does help me because now I know Don of X 14 has Empire. And so when I get to the section of Empire and all the crossovers, yeah. that's where I need to know, oh, I, I should read the other eight volumes of Don of X in order to get here. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm keeping up with six on six continuity. It is not easy catching I up bet. to comics. <laughs> 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 oh man. But yeah, so while each title is very individual and telling its very own story, it's the scenes, it's the little, it's the single speech bubble references that are keeping the continuity going across each title. Right. And I think I'm going to get the most payoff of that by reading the Dawn of X books and not the individual title books. Yeah, I that makes sense to me. It was hard for me not because I wrote, I read them on, I, I I did read them in the Dawn of X order, but I read them on my computer. And I think without that tactile sort of reminder, it was harder for me to keep track of, you know, which is taking place when, and, and or not even that, but like what, 
what happened in issue one versus issue four? How is, you know, volume one of Don of X different than volume two of Don of X? Like they didn't seem uh, like narrative, individual narrative units to me in any right. way, in, in, in a particular way. And so I, I found myself just sort of like collating them back together story by story in my head, but that totally checks out. It also makes me wonder if your destiny or, or your, you know, it, secretly within you, you wouldn't love to be a Wednesday warrior and like showing up and getting floppies every week gosh i know right can you imagine yeah. i i um no i mean <laughs> that i mean my method of buying every single tp is yeah. expensive enough right but it's cheaper <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's still cheaper than buying every single issue that comes out every god it's so true my god yeah my i can't imagine god but at the I'm same right. time if you talk to someone like jamie you have to buy the individual issues if you ever want to hope to buy the TPs. Like for each individual title, I'm a customer twice a year instead right. of 12 times a year. Right. However, comma, I am also a customer of 45, 50 different titles. Right. So I'm still a weekly customer. <laughs> <laughs> but each individual right from the perspective of the each individual writing team i get it but also yeah the other thing about don of x is the orders are different yeah also um yeah don of x one two and three are the same order but then volume four they put x-men issue four at the end and for good re- that particular issue right just it's oh. so good it's so good it is so good i it is so good x-men number four Four. x-men four this is what i've been waiting for from hickman (laughs) when he it's a real statement of purpose to your like to your point of grit that your your thing about uh great great men doing terrible things yeah um hickman is so good at putting great men at a table and having very big picture conversations. Yeah. And discussing their own big pictures and keeping every single person's personality in check. Yeah. Not forgetting who he's writing. In X-Men number four, Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse go to the Davos World Economic Summit and announce their intentions to take it over to <laughs> to to basically uh will of you I I know that you're not the most politically interested dude um you're familiar with uh, have you come across the term neoliberalism god i mean yeah, but yeah, I if if it was on a test, I would skip it. Okay, well, it's this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the perfect. This is the perfect definition of the perfect introduction to what neoliberalism is. It's it's this sort of right. Uh, this this deep economic uh, use of soft power to um, influence and control you know world events and and you use as sort of a, a bludgeon of um of policy and 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 they just walk in and say we learned how to do this 
and we're going to beat you at it. We're going to do it better. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing you can do to stop us. They, they were so uh, matter of fact. Just, yeah. they, oh my gosh. Just also apocalypse in a suit. Can we just appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insomniur in a dark blue suit and tie? Oh, yeah. Oh, he just looks so cool. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they just show up and they're, and, and they're just, they own the room the whole way through at the very beginning. They're in complete control of their surroundings. There are the, the human representatives or the American representative, I guess, sends you know, assassins at them and they don't even, it doesn't even interrupt their meal. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just, just, um, I lo- so it's such a common theme of like, uh, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. That whole mentality and the fact that they literally rubbed it in their faces. Yeah. Apocalypse and- <laughs> delivering the most brutal line of all time. The line only saying me, but like, <laughs> so, uh, so like, so- <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> um, they're just like, uh, look at the end of the bronze age, the dark age before the dark ages. You don't even know what caused the end of it, but there it is yet another hole in the collective memory of man. And their whole thing is talking about how we're not going to forget. We will remember everything. Everything will be logged. Everything will be cataloged and we will continue to evolve. And not only exactly evolution is really the key point there. And, and this is what kind of makes this a mutant specific story is that they're, they're building on this theme of, of adaptation, evolution, change. And they're saying, we are, we're not just homo superior because of a, a trait, you know, a, because of our powers, because of a quirk of uh, our genes, but because we embody change, we embody adaptation, we learn from our mistakes, we learn from your mistakes, we learn from your history. <laughs> and so the, the so the, yeah the they deliver this line about you know the the dark changes and what happened and, and, and the, the and american one of, uh, the american finally takes the bait and he says well what did happen yeah the american so he's looking at his watch because he's waiting for these assassins to show up right and the american just goes who cares what caused the end of the bronze age and apocalypse just goes i was alive then and you should care. He says this as he's sipping a coffee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then another one of the representatives is like, is that so? Then tell us what caused the collapse. And it's just, there's a cell of just Apocalypse's face. And he just says, me. And, <laughs> and that's the end of the page. You have to turn the page to see people's res- like rep- response and how they God, react to that. A good page flip. And oh, oh, it's, it's, it, that is exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like this, this, this structure, right, of the soap opera and of these established characters, you, you, if you follow X-Men to any extent, you know that he's this ancient elemental evil, this, this great being that has existed for thousands of years and, and, uh, has before and is destined to once again rule over all of the earth. 
<laughs> and and so th- none of that, right? Right? Like this this is why I'm so hyped on this. Like none of that, like this specific storytelling is not possible without all of that as as um to 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 build it up, to to set it up. Like you 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 have to know and have a visceral reaction or uh or or sort of this deep understanding of what apocalypse is and what he's capable of in order for that line to land <laughs> yeah and uh-huh. and 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 then you so you have this character and you bring them into this this setting that is timely and unique and it really speaks to relevant and dominant forces in the real world and is something that we can read and take away from and understand and 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 and, <laughs> and you bring it all together and he is here inventing and taking over neoliberalism as a concept and he's doing it because he's fucking apocalypse oh my god like this is this is like this is the most that i could ever ask for in following the soap opera and in being invested in it as I am is to be able to pull it together and to pull these stories that can only be told within this giant crazy meta story and to find something new and unique and relevant and timely and 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 pull it out I'm just flabbergasted oh my god so happy Um, yeah. And then that just leads into a monologue from, from Magneto casually eating his prime rib. Uh, and, and you <laughs> see that because he's casual because of the look on his face and every yeah. other cell is how much progress he's made on his prime rib. <laughs> 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 and he legitimately just ends it with, well, he almost ends it saying, you know, we are going to take over the world. Yeah. And then he ends it with that was delicious compliments to the chef. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, it's such a casual declaration yeah. from the mutants point of view, because this yep. is literally a version of what all three Xavier Magneto and apocalypse have yes. envisioned doing. Yeah. And the three of them together are like, we can do this and we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, I love like, it is in progress and you can't stop it just it's it's amazing because if you take the three individually um they each had their time to shine Mm -hmm. but like apocalypse like apocalypse only needed half of a page to show where he's coming from yeah magneto took two and a half pages because one he's a monologuer he's always been right but (laughs) (laughs) but also because to the human world he's got the most history yeah and And the most dangerous history yeah and like he even says you know and you know in the past i would have taken this opportunity to show you Mm -hmm. how strong i am right however i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something different this time and so like just from his monologue it's shown how much he's grown and changed but it's also shown like I am no lesser of a, of a threat to you. So true. Yeah. Just because I'm, I'm, I'm teamed up with other people just because <laughs> I'm not wearing my helmet and my red and purple garb. Right. I'm no less a threat. 
absolutely like let me let me explain to you Mm -hmm. and then to have that and and cherry top it with xavier uh removing his helmet and speaking man to man for lack of a better term but showing his face showing the compassion he still has in his face and in his eyes and and taking the last page and a half to be like i still believe in humanity i still Mm-hmm. I still believe that we can coexist, but the fact of the matter is we will coexist with us at the top. <laughs> My dream is still alive, but yeah. this is how it's going to come together. Right. Yeah. And then, and all of that, all of that, like just this beautifully written six page trio mm-hmm. of, of, of mutant leaders and then to bring it back in, be like, yeah, by the way, your assassins that you sent to us, they're not showing up. Do this again. We yeah. will respond. <laughs> yeah. This is your one olive branch. Don't do it again. Yeah. Tell your friends. Yeah. I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it's so, it's, it was so beautifully orchestrated. Yes. Just across these pages. It, oh my gosh. It mind, ah, just so great so great just such a such a statement of purpose it also makes me think as a companion piece that's maybe while we're reading uh dawn of x or maybe after i think i'm going to start reading black monday murders again because i i stopped at a certain point maybe you should do the same because i i i think that hickman i i feel like he's kind of used his his longer running indie titles as sort of companion pieces for his major works on marvel like his his fantastic four run had a lot of thematic similarity with manhattan projects mm-hmm. and then um east of west kind of hit a, some of the same notes as avengers and uh i feel like maybe that I, i'm kind of with this focus on sort of davos and kind of going deep on on economics and monetary policy and soft power as a way to rule the world i'm 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 once again curious in black monday murders and i'm wondering if maybe you you would find something there as well yeah i mean i bought it (laughs) so it's it's here (laughs) i just have to i just have to read it okay Um, that's no, that's a good that's a good uh, thought that I will entertain. One more thing and, and uh I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to uh to wrap up on on Dawn of X as well, but we we kind of talked around it very early in our discussion that a lot of characters seem to be acting a little bit strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and that coupled with I mean I think the 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 very minimal dialogue and sort of tone and style of Hickman doesn't might be the real culprit here, but part of me wonders if something's going on with everybody's brains. You know, like pe- there's a lot more camaraderie and you know good feeling and and cooperation on this island than i would expect from these characters and their backstories and yeah what do you think yes so i was feeling (laughs) that okay um, Okay. so 
I'm nervous because there is such an air of peace and harmony that I don't, it feels unnatural. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in the first couple of issues of Marauders where Kate shows up on the island or is island adjacent because she can't go through the gates. Like the people who have been on Krakoa are so much more euphorically peaceful than someone like Kate who hasn't been able to go through. It's so true. Yeah. And she's pointed it out a couple of times. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like, and, and you have people like, um, Vulcan. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So extreme example, uh, maybe you will no, Well, no, but it's exactly to that point. If you take the uh, last 70 years of X-Men and you say, okay, we're going to create this mutant nation and there will be heads of different areas and aspects and branches. Who are the, who are people who are established leaders that we can put into these places? Yeah. Very few of them are good guys. <laughs> yeah. You have, and, and depending on what, what era you pull from, Xavier isn't even a good guy. So right. <laughs> you have Xavier basically at the top but then um you've got sinister and he's off doing his own thing and he's the the holder of all the genetic codes you've got magneto with a seat at the at the table you have um apocalypse hanging out fully okay with teaming up with every mutant he's ever fought yeah and being a member of the quiet council and having full reign to go and explore this mutant magic stuff that he's been in touch with forever. Um, You have the Hellfire Trading Company where Emma recently has been a great X-Man, but traditionally she is the White Queen. She never really stopped being the White Queen. Right. So, And and then you have Sebastian Shaw who had a stint as an X-Man, but that... He was mostly brainwashed. (laughs) He was mostly... (laughs) brain dead i guess right yeah <laughs> amnesiac you have um exodus you, you have mystique. exodus mystique huge players in the anti-x-men uh mythos and, and there that and so yeah traditional villains make up nearly half of the entire quiet council and that's the ruling body of more Krakoa. than half yeah more than half of the quiet council and but you have like other famous players that when you think of people like scott and kate and other famous x-men wolverine beast Mm -hmm. they have had stints as leaders but they're not known for being the head or boss of something and so they don't get a seat on the quiet council Mm -hmm. they don't have an area that they're in charge of yeah they just exists on on the island and everyone is so euphoric and i was starting to get really nervous about it until i got to x-force issue one where wolverine is out hunting Mm -hmm. and that's the first time yeah i've seen a character still act like the character from pre house of x totally Yeah, yeah yeah and so I was getting more and more nervous. This uh, X-Force is the fifth issue in, in Dawn of X volume one. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm this unease is just building in me yeah. issue after issue after issue. I got 
I got a slight ease of tension for seeing uh, Wolverine being like, you still have to hone your skills. Like, right. just because we're at peace now doesn't mean we're not where it's going to be. And right. then you have you have Kate's perspective in later issues being like, yeah, something weird's going on. Like mm-hmm. more and more people are starting to pick up on it. And yeah. so I really think there's something weird. There's there something's going to get revealed. And I yeah. feel like Xavier's at the middle of it. Yeah. And also we haven't seen Moira. I was just going to say, yeah, we haven't seen Moira at all. The, the only like, yeah. the reason why house of X powers of X happened yeah she was the key to getting magneto and xavier to work together right why is she not on the council and why well, is she not she, on she's she's still faking her death man she's still yeah that's true that's true that's true yeah um but, yeah, she ha- and she uh, has some she has some secretive reason for it which again do you trust that like, right. do you, how much of her t- total story do you trust? Is this really Moira? You know, yeah. like there, are, yeah, some serious, crazy questions. Um, the other thing, the the other possibility, I mean, either Xavier is in the middle of it, which seems most likely and most creepily, by the way, that his face is usually covered by the helmet. Oh, that's so weird. It's very unsettling. Very, it's very so unsettling. Strange. The the other thing is there was a mention in one of the issues of Don of X that um, Krakoa feeds off of psychic energy for mutants. Yeah. And with all of the mutants there, the drain is small enough that it's not a um, really a hindrance. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's just happy to go along up. with it. And but. so and and Krakoa's been acting weird. And so they want to go and Emplate and Celine, both huge enemies of the X-Men, right. uh, um, whose powers are based on psychic draining. They they're supposed to be monitoring Krakoa and getting along with everyone. Uh, it's <sighs> it's interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. There's just there's so many big bads involved with the nation of Krakoa. Yeah. Not necessarily the stories, because not a lot of the big bads are involved in the stories. Is the big bads are involved in the like the the structure. Yeah. It's Krakoa. it's hard not to see this going very wrong. And I want it so badly to go right. I know. Because again, it like I I don't know. I just feel it more viscerally. Maybe it's because I grew up on X-Men and have always been closer, you know, read more and been closer with that story. Or maybe it's just the the utopian vision of the X-Men and the fact that it is a civil rights story. But like, I care so much more about the X-Men achieving, you know, peace and harmony uh, in the world than I do about like, you know, the entire multiverse dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely you know like i mean they, they they have some of the most relatable stories yeah um and like we haven't just in these four volumes we haven't even touched relations with non-mutant heroes like yeah. right you know, which is like, coming because it, yeah. the fantastic four crossover is coming right. but but like um um uh wolverine and spider-man have this like bro thing yeah. together mm-hmm. and like wolverine wanted to spend his birthday with somebody and he chose spider-man like oh there there's you know like there there are deep 
relationships between mutants and non-mutants right in marvel yep. 616 that even just they like haven't had time to your look dang at parents <laughs> yeah. you know like they all nearly all of them have human parents and like what is that like does nobody like miss their folks and want to go back you know like right well we haven't seen oh god we haven't seen dark beast but we haven't seen like the guthrie's alive i don't know yeah uh we haven't seen the guthrie's when like half of their children are human half their children are mutants and two-thirds of the mutants are dead right like and so and you have krakoa that can bring them all back yeah that's also in itself also uh Jean Grey's uh, niece and nephew were mutants and they were killed during that big, uh, the end of Grey's storyline where the whole mm-hmm. Grey family was killed. Do they only bring back the niece and nephew, Galen and Joey, and not their parents? And that's, see, that's something that Hickman knows about. Sure. He, do, he does not forget um, right. story plots. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they're ever going to, if he's going to bring up the fourth summers brother there's been one sinister had one speech bubble referring to a fourth summers child oh my god he may have just been screwing with them because well okay he there was a, a time where he was like the the third summers brother was teased for a very long time before they ended up doing it with uh mm-hmm. vulcan and it was originally intended to be gambit because he was an orphan. He's got something weird going on with his eyes. He has energy related powers. You know, he was raised, adopted by the Lebos and raised by them. But yeah, hmm. yeah, that was, that was the intention at some point. And then they didn't like it. <laughs> Switched course. I they don't could. like that at all. I don't like but it. Yeah, I'm, glad they did. <laughs> I'm glad they did too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's funny because our hype for Don of X is like a year late. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, whatever. It's fine. We don't have to be, we don't have to be topical. No, no. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, dude, I'm so excited. It, it sucks. Me too. Like it, it doesn't suck reading non Don of X titles because they're good. Right. Um, but oh no it sucks for me not reading non don of x few titles get me hype and don of yeah. x especially because i ended volume four and it was x-men number four and that was such a good issue like i just want to go and read i have i have five through 13 i could just go and only read those but i've been neglecting a hundred other books <laughs> but oh, oh my gosh it's it's so good i'm so excited yeah. um but with that said, I'm also excited to uh, catch us up on Sunday of other stuff that I've read. Absolutely. Well, that seems like a good place as any to stop. Thanks, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us for Giant Size Dawn of X Volume 1. And uh, yeah, uh, Will, you said you had a, uh, a more, uh, you wanted to revisit your answer to Devin's question from last pod. And uh, we've been going for quite a while now. So we'll get to that on the next pod. But yeah. uh, next, is, and- next issue, next episode issue, I guess we could be issues. <laughs> um, yeah, next, uh, next, next pod, we're going to talk. I'm going to, I have a, I have a better answer. All so right. I've been thinking about it so much. 
I, I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Well, hey, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, yeah, thanks. You for, as well. Uh, um, should we put the outro music uh, here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Always oh, yeah, good night. Right.